single day in Christ, because God's mercies are new every morning, that we now have the opportunity to live fresh, to live brand new lives, that you and I, because of the finished work of Jesus, he has placed us in our inheritance in his family because of Jesus. And it's about us learning how this is where I live now. Did you know that there's nothing about you that disqualifies you from serving God? Today, Pastor Daniel will share how Joshua continued to serve his creator well into his golden years, even until his death. Your role in the kingdom may change as you get older, but you'll never be fully retired from sharing the good news of Jesus' love for the world. Today, embrace the place Jesus has set you in and do all you can to serve him. Now, here's Pastor Daniel in Joshua chapter 13 with part one of his message, More to Do. All right, let's open up in our Bibles to the book of Joshua, chapter 13. Joshua, chapter 13, as we continue our study here in the book of Joshua with a brand new series. So we've broken the book of Joshua into two halves. And for most people, if we know the book of Joshua even at all, most of us know the first half. Because it tells the story of all the different battles that the children of Israel fought as they entered the promised land. And most often people skip over the second half of the book because it doesn't really seem to have a lot of stories to tell or or things that are of interest to us. But it is unfortunate because in every one of our lives, at every given moment, there is process and then there is fulfillment. There are the battles that need to be fought and then there is the outcome of victory in those battles. Now what's amazing is, is for the children of Israel, God had promised them this land. It had been promised generations and generations before, but they spent many centuries in bondage in Egypt. They spent decades wandering in the wilderness, and then they spent probably almost a decade having all these different battles, and God was faithful to give them this land that he had told them he was going to give them. So rather than just being like, well, they landed in the land and we move on, we get the second half of the book of Joshua that tells the story of each tribe receiving what God wanted them to have. So we're calling this series Homestead because it's about now the children of Israel putting roots down in the life that God had promised them. And for those of us here who are followers of Jesus, and I realize that not everybody here is, is what this is going to teach us is we need to learn how to make our lives in the inheritance that Jesus bought for us and not live our lives in something that Jesus has delivered us from. 
So if you look at the life of the children of Israel, and we've been, you know, studying the, what we call the Old Testament. We've already made it through five books. Now we're halfway through the book of Joshua. We see all this history for the people of God. Some of it was beautiful history and great stories. Other of it was a lot of tragedy. But now it's time for the children of Israel to grow where they are planted in the fulfillment of God's promises. Now you have to ask yourself this question, and I think it's an important question. Are you blooming in the garden that God has planted you in as a brand new creation in Christ? Or are you living in some version of your past that was something that Jesus delivered you from? Remember when the children of Israel were wandering in the wilderness, they were lamenting Egypt. Even though they were slaves, they had a selective memory and they would look back on their time in Egypt and they would only remember the best parts. They forgot that they were enslaved there. See, it was a classic example of somebody not enjoying the freedom that God has given them, but focusing on a past that was breaking them. But now that they're in the promised land, now it's time for them to put down roots And I believe that what God wants to do in each one of our lives is he wants us to get comfortable living in the present of the brand new life in Christ as opposed to being very comfortable living a life that was a life of brokenness and a life of bondage, but it was a life that we knew really well. So this is a new beginning for the people of God. And every single day in Christ, because God's mercies are new every morning, that we now have the opportunity to live fresh, to live brand new lives. That you and I, because of the finished work of Jesus, he has placed us in our inheritance in his family because of Jesus. And it's about us learning how this is where I live now. How many of you have ever lived in the present, but you're really focused on the past, right? So we all know what it's like. We've all done it. Some of us are doing it right now, and that's why you're hearing this, because you realize that God has something fresh for you. My little Annabelle, she's almost four years old. She's as fun as ever. All the time, Annabelle, she'll be like talking, looking backwards, and she'll be walking forwards, and it's never a good thing. You know what I mean? Because she's not focused on where she's going. And even when she's looking backwards, I'm like, Annabelle, Annabelle. And she's still walking and she walks into things and she normally breaks the stuff because she's little and malleable. So she doesn't really get broken, you know. But if you're walking forward, looking in the past, you're going to crash because you're not present. And God here is bringing the people. Now he's saying, this is where you're going to dwell. This is where you're going to make life. This is where you're going to Grow your families. This is where you're going to experience the fullness of the blessings that I have for you. So really, this second half of the book of Joshua, oh so neglected as it might be in our studies, is a climactic moment in the life of a young nation. It was one thing to be delivered, but now it's another thing to have a home. And instead of rushing over this, we get chapters upon chapters of this is what God did. This is what God gave to this tribe. And this is what God gave to this tribe. And so we're going to explore this together. So without further ado, in your Bibles, Joshua chapter 13, picking up in verse one, it says this. Now Joshua was old and advanced in years. And the Lord said to him, you are old, advanced in years. And there remains very much land yet to be possessed. 
This is the land that yet remains all the territory of the Philistines and all that of the Geshurites from Sihor, which is east of Egypt, as far as the border of Ekron northward, which is counted as Canaanite, the five lords of the Philistines, the Gazites, the Ashdodites, the Ashkelonites, the Gittites, the Ekronites, and the Avites, from the south, all the land of the Canaanites, and Merah, that belongs to the Sidonites, or Sidonians, as far as Aphek, to the border of the Amorites, the land of the Gebelites, and all Lebanon toward the sunrise, from Baalgad below Hermon, as far as the entrance of Hamath, all the inhabitants of the mountains from Lebanon, as far as the brook Mishrapoth, And all the Sidonians, them I will drive out from before the children of Israel, only divided by lot to Israel as an inheritance, as I have commanded you. Now, therefore, divide the land as an inheritance to the nine tribes and the half tribe of Manasseh. Now, what I love about the way this chapter begins is we get the declaration that Joshua was old and advanced in years and then the Lord says you are old advanced in years now what I love about this is God is the God of the truth and all truth is God's truth now I know we live in a day and age our culture values youthfulness but God values people and it doesn't say that because Joshua is old he needs to be put out to pasture You know, you need to stick Joshua in a museum. It's just a statement of fact. Joshua had gotten older. At this point, he's probably about 100 years old because Joshua ends up dying at 110. So he's 100 years old, but there's more to do. But the fact that Joshua has gotten older is not a bad thing. You know, and I want to remind all of us, I realize that no matter what season in life you find yourself in right now, that season has unique pieces to it, right? Every season of life has different set of variables that you're dealing with. But what I want to tell you is that no matter what season of life you're in, God has a purpose for you in that season. So there's no such thing as, well, you know, my time is done. It's time for the whippersnappers to get this thing going. I'm going to work on my golf game. I'm going to ace playing Marjan with my friends and I'm going to coast until the end. That's like an American Western thing, but it's not a biblical thing. And so I just want to remind those of you who are old and advanced in years, as the Lord would say, not as I would say, God's got a purpose for you. So don't coast. Don't take the years of your life where you don't have to devote it to raising kids because now you can invest in your grandkids. Or maybe you don't have to devote it to earning a living because you've already done that. And now Uncle Sam is taking care of you just as you've taken care of Uncle Sam. Right now's a great opportunity to step into what God has next for you. And that does not involve getting a new lazy boy and putting your feet up and getting a bigger remote control with large size print on it. God's got a plan and there's more to do. So Joshua, although him being the captain of the army and him leading the people in the battle is now done. There's still more to do. And the Lord reminds Joshua that there is land that they have not taken yet. So as much as Joshua did, there's still more to do. 
You know, when I think about this, I always think about our founding pastor here at Crossroads, Dr. Bill Rich. I just love Bill so much, you know, and Bill, you know, seven years ago, he brought me in and we transitioned and I became the senior pastor, but Bill's doing ministry like crazy all the time. He's always involved in something, you know, and I love that because Bill's like, man, I could do more ministry now. Then I don't have to worry about all the details of Crossroads. I can go do this thing. I can go do this thing. And he's not slowing down at all because he realized now I got more time. I got more energy. And I love that. I know some people are like, well, not everyone's Bill Ritchie. I'm like, well, yeah, everyone could be in their own way because there's more to do. When was the last time you said, Lord, I got all this stuff accomplished, but what is left to be done and how can I be involved in it? See, that's an important question because Joshua is still available to the Lord. Joshua knows that God's purposes and plans have not reached their ultimate culmination, although a lot of amazing stuff has gone on. And so Joshua is available and the Lord reminds him, hey, listen, you're not as young as you used to be, but there's still land to be taken. And really what the Lord does is he describes towns and regions that are yet to be conquered. Now, what's interesting now is that the children of Israel are not going to be going out as the full army because as he divides the land, now conquering these unconquered areas is going to be responsible for the people who are living in that land. So instead of it being a full army going in, as we've seen previously, now each community is going to be responsible for doing the mop-up work, to finish the job. And I love that because some battles we fight and we fight it all together, and other battles are just for us in the areas that God has called us to. And when you put all the fighting together, the people of God accomplish everything. We always remind us of that, especially here at Crossroads, because there's so much that goes on here as a, as a really large church with all sorts of people here. Everybody is involved in different things. And sometimes you can be in a church where people start fighting about, what are we supposed to do? And people are like, well, we're supposed to reach people across the globe. And other people are like, we're supposed to reach people here in our community. And they start to bicker with one another. And we always say, look, no, we're supposed to do all of that. And all of us are involved. And some people are like, I'm going across the globe. And other people are like, I'm going across the street. And as we all do it together, you know what happens? Everything happens. And certain things we do all together, like we mobilize the whole family. And other things we're like, there's a whole group of people doing this, a whole group of people doing this. And we, it's like beautiful, organized chaos for the glory of God. Does that make sense? And that's exactly what's going on for the children of Israel. There was a number of places that needed to be conquered, and they did it as a whole army. But now we have, as the land is going to be divided, now different tribes are going to be dealing with the people in their area. And you got to ask yourself, where street level is for you, what are the battles that you're supposed to be fighting? What are the unconquered areas in the world and in your life that is street level for you that you are responsible for conquering. You and the people in your sphere. And the key is, is that we all step on into the purposes and plans of what God has for us. Because really when one of us steps into what God has, all of us in effect step in. And don't get discouraged or worried if God is calling somebody to do something that you're not all that interested in. Because they're supposed to do that. Where one body, but many members. The Apostle Paul really works that analogy in his letters because he reminds you that if everybody thinks, oh, it's just about being eyes, you know, where's the hearing going to be? The eyes are responsible to see. The ears are responsible to hear. As long as the eyes and the ears work, you can see and hear. And all of us have an integral part to play in the body of Christ. 
the family of God, with Jesus as our head. That's why we say here at Crossroads that because Jesus is real, we're a family of faith fully engaged. What that means is that we're a family, but all of us have a part to play in the family, just like in your family and in my family. Everyone has a role to play. I was just talking to my grandfather and my grandma. I always call them on the way into church. My grandfather just celebrated his 94th birthday. Yeah, him and my grandma have been married for 71 years. Their anniversary is on. I mean, you can give them a round of applause. You know, I'm stoked for that testimony. I'm like, Grandpa, how you doing? He's like, I'm doing great. I'm giving everyone a hard time. That's my job. You know, and it's funny because when your 94-year-old grandpa gives you a hard time, you just say, yes, sir. Mm-hmm. Yep. So we're not asking grandpa to go on out and rake the leaves and mow the lawn and build a house because he's 94. But there's all sorts of other things that he's supposed to be doing. And in the same way, my little Annabelle, who's four years old, we expect her to be terrorizing everybody. We don't expect her to be doing other things yet. But everybody has a role to play. The question you have to ask yourself, are you fighting the battles that God has in front of you that you're supposed to be doing for God's purposes in this generation and for God's glory and his kingdom to touch down? And if you could answer that and say, you know, I'm really not, then you got to get going. Because you realize that until you step into that, you are not going to be living the life that God has for you. Like, and you know that deep in the pit of who you are, when you are not fulfilling your God-given role and his purposes, you realize it and you're like, this isn't quite what it's supposed to be. You have that nagging feeling, what I like to call a holy dissatisfaction with your life. Now, for many of us, the big problem is, is our culture says, do whatever you want. It's your life. You can have it your way. And guess what? That's the biggest lie you ever heard because it's not your life. The Bible says you were bought at a price and you are not your own. So the first lie is that your life is yours. No, it's Christ. In him you live and move and have your being. There's nothing that's yours. Your life's a gift from God, right? And then when you realize that I'm not my own, then you start to say, well, how shall I live? What do you have for me? And then God begins to reveal to you through his word. And as you walk with him, this is what you're called to. And when you're living in that, you realize that God's peace and his presence is strong because you are fulfilling the destiny that he has for you. But if you're a born again child of God, because you put your faith and trust in Jesus, when you're not fulfilling that, the spirit of God loves you too much just to leave you alone. He convicts you. He prompts your heart and he says, hey, listen, the way you live, that's how you've always lived, but I have something new for you. And we always remind us here at Crossroads that we like to say that conviction is good, but repentance is better. Conviction is when the spirit of God challenges your status quo. And that's a good thing because if you're God's kid, he's going to challenge you a little bit because he loves you. But conviction is not enough because repentance is when we respond to that conviction and we change our ways. And God doesn't make you change your way. He encourages you and then you choose it. So we have a responsibility in that. And so I want to make sure that all of us realize that we have a part to play. And just like your body, if a part of your body isn't doing its job well, the whole body suffers. Can I get an amen? It's like the crunk is going around the Northwest. Some of you got it and gave it to all of us. Right. But when all of a sudden, when you're running a fever, 
is everything else great? No, it's not great. Because something's wrong and the body starts to suffer. And when you realize that it's just not your life, you're part of the family of God if you're born again. And God, when you are not fulfilling your role, it's like a part of your body taking the day off. And the body suffers. Now, I realize that for some of you, you've never put your faith and trust in Jesus. And there's two things I want to tell you. First, grace is available for you. No matter where you've been, no matter what you've done, no matter how many good days or bad days, and if you were to average your days out, no matter what that average is, God sent Jesus on a rescue mission to die on a cross for all the mistakes you've ever made. Now, I know somebody's like, that's not possible. I've made too many mistakes. I'm here to tell you with men, it's impossible. With God, all things are possible. If God could forgive me, he could forgive you. Doesn't matter where you've been. God's grace is more sufficient than your weakness. So grace is available for you, but you have to respond. And I believe that long before you got here today, you've been invited by the Lord. He's been inviting you for a long time and through all sorts of different situations saying, come on, I want to do a fresh work in your life. And I'm here to tell you, when you say yes to Jesus, he does more exceedingly abundantly than you could ever ask. He will blow your mind by what you find yourself involved in. But before you can be useful in this world, you need to take your rightful place in God's family. I remember when I first came to know Christ, I had a family member said to me, well, Daniel, you don't want to be so heavenly minded that you know earthly good. I didn't know what that meant. I had to think about that for a while. I'm like, what do they mean by that? You know, they were like, listen, no, don't have your head so in the clouds that you're not good for anybody around here. And then what I realized, and it took me a little while to get, I came back later. I'm like, you know, actually, I think that the only way you can be any earthly good is if you're heavenly minded. Because God's plan is for heaven to touch down earth. So if you're not heavenly minded, you aren't any earthly good anyway, even though you might think you are. Heavenly mindedness makes you of earthly value because God wants his perfect world to touch down through your life. So we all need to be involved. Now, what's beautiful about these verses, we get all these different cities. And I would really encourage you, if you're really fascinated in this, to to look at this on a map. Just put in, you know, Joshua 13 map and you can see it. But it's just, a map is a map. You know? It's like, it shows lakes and boundaries and everything. But really what we're saying is that in, within the prom, the divinely promised land, Not every area has been conquered, so there's still work to be done. Jesus is real. Pastor Daniel today rejoined the story of Joshua and the Israelites as they settled into their new land. They had come a long way fighting many battles and learning many lessons about working with God to accomplish his plans. At this point, they could have simply settled in and stayed comfortable. But God still had things for them to do and more blessings to bestow upon them. Their story wasn't over and neither is yours. I want to thank you so much for listening to the Jesus is Real program. And I realize that there are many of you, you're not a born again follower of Jesus. You've never put your faith and trust in Jesus. But as you've been listening, you've been saying to yourself, I want to begin to follow Jesus. I want to help you do that right now. We're going to pray a simple prayer that just acknowledges who Jesus is in your life. So if that's you, if you're saying yes to Jesus for the very first time, pray this prayer with me. Say, Jesus, I'm giving you my life. Thank you for saving me. I believe in you, your life, your death on the cross, and your resurrection. Forgive me of my sins. Fill me with your Holy Spirit. And I ask it in Jesus' name. And we all said together, 
Amen. For those of you who just received Jesus as your personal Lord and Savior, I'm so excited for you. I want to know that you did it, though, because I want to help you take your next steps with him. So pull out your mobile phone, text the word SAVED to 51400, S-A-V-E-D to 51400, and my team will get in touch with you. We want to get some more resources in your hands to help you on this journey. Now, my team, we want to share some stuff with you, so don't go anywhere. Thanks, Pastor Daniel. You know, the Bible says that when one person comes to Jesus, the angels in heaven rejoice. And we rejoice with them today if you just prayed that prayer with Pastor Daniel. Again, to receive some resources that are going to help you in this new journey with Jesus, take out your mobile phone right now and text the word SAVED, S-A-V-E-D, to 51400. Next time on Jesus is Real Radio, Pastor Daniel will take some time to remind you of Israel's recent history, the battles, the people, and the reliance on God. Israel didn't always follow through as God had intended, but he still gave them chances to come back to him and walk in his plan. Is God giving you the same second chance? He'll be there waiting for you, ready to guide you when you're ready to follow him. You've been listening to Jesus is Real Radio with Pastor Daniel Fusco, Crossroads Community Church. Pastor Daniel will continue teaching through this series called Homestead. Until then, may God bless.